Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast, the show empowering and educating people on how they can grow, manage, and protect their wealth through real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Bailey Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast. The goal of this show is to break down complex real estate investing strategies that you can use to grow, manage, and protect your wealth. I'm your host, Bailey Kramer, and today we are joined by our very special guest, Brian Briscoe, to talk with us about actively investing while having a full-time job. Brian Briscoe is a co-founder and principal in the real estate investing firm, Four Oaks Capital. He and his team currently have 168 units worth $7.5 million in assets under management, and are continuing to grow. He is a Lieutenant Colonel in the United States Marine Corps and brings years of leadership and management experience to his real estate investments. As a Marine officer, he has proven his ability to plan, lead, and effectively accomplish missions in both training and combat situations. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Bailey. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome having you on. So why don't you go ahead and start by telling the listeners a little bit about your background and how you kind of found out and got into real estate investing. You know, so e- easy, you know, I don't know how far to go back. Every time somebody asks me about my background, but uh, born and raised in Utah. Um, at one point I was going to school because I thought I wanted to be a college professor, you know, so um, math was, was, I re- was something I really liked. I was good at it. And I also enjoyed teaching. So, you know, you put the two together. I didn't have patience for high school. So I thought maybe I'll teach college. Uh, so started going to school for that, got a bachelor's and a master's in math. Um, somewhere along the line, I got into the, the Marine Reserves and I started a PhD program at the University of Minnesota um, right before September 11th. You know, so a couple of weeks into class, you know, World Trade Center goes down and that was kind of a real pivotal moment in, in my life because I was already reservist, you know, and I, you know, President Bush gets up on the, on the national television and says, you know, we're, we're going to war, we're calling in the reserves, you know, and I, I had a decision right there. It's okay, do I wait for my, my specific reserve unit to get called up? Uh, they eventually did, but you never know when it's going to happen. You know, sometimes you're given, you know, a couple a couple weeks notice, sometimes it's less, sometimes it's more. So uh, I decided to take things into my own hands and I just volunteered to go active duty. And, you know, of course, you know, nation at war, reservists volunteering to go active duty. The answer was yes. You know, so they, they let me go to active, du- active duty, uh, stationed in Japan for a couple of years. And while I was in Japan, I came across, you know, the, the very cliche book, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I started reading a lot about just financial education in general. You know, um, my... My dad was a mailman and my mom was a, a stay-at-home mother, you know, since, since I was little. And so there, there wasn't, you know, a, a surplus of money in the house I grew up with. Uh, my dad, the investment, the money advice he gave me when I was young, when I was a teenager was like, hey, Brian, I am not very good. I've never figured out the secret to, to wealth. You've never found the secret to, to getting rich. So if you want to get there, you've got to find somebody who can help you. I mean, that's really the, the, the advice he gave me. Um, I mean, his, his advice basically said, don't look to me and don't ask me questions about money because I'm, I've never figured it out. You know, so 
you know, here I am, you know, mid twenties thinking, okay, I've got to figure this money thing out. Um, so start reading books as many books as I can. And I, I think the, the rich dad, poor dad and cash flow quadrant, you know, really changed my perspective, you know, and it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, I've, I've got to do this. I've, I've got to find some, you know, assets to provide passive income and started thinking about, okay, what can I do? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in Japan right now. There's not a whole lot of real estate for sale for American citizens in Japan. So I, I decided to wait until I came back to the United States, you know, so 2006 comes, I moved to San Diego, California. And fortunately I was smart enough to recognize that, you know, um, rent prices and mortgage prices were, were back asswards, you know, so it was going to cost me 3,500 a month to pay a mortgage on a 900 square foot apartment. Um, when I could rent a 2,200 square foot home for 2000 a month, you know, so we, we looked at what we could afford and what, you know, in, in renting and buying and, you know, I was, I was disappointed, but it was the right answer was to rent, but I, I still had that, that urge to, um, to buy a, an asset, buy something that was going to produce cash flow. So I started looking in my hometown of Salt Lake City. And, you know, within a year of, of moving back to the States, I purchased something in Salt Lake City. And the year after, actually, right about the time we closed on that property is when the, the entire market crashed. Um, fortunately, you know, Salt Lake City did not slide very much compared to, you know, San, like Southern California in general or Miami or DC or those areas. So we didn't lose out. We were cash flowing on that property from the beginning and it ended up working out. Um, after the market crash, we picked up uh, another, you know, single family home in San Diego. And, you know, that, that was basically the beginning of everything, you know, so, um, you know, fast forward several years later, you know, I I've kind of taken a hiatus, um, you know, a couple of, of deployments, you know, went to Iraq, went to Afghanistan, you know, did all that, bought the t-shirt, whatever. Um, but there, there came a point where banks looked at my, my single income and two properties and said, you know, we're not going to give you another loan on a single family house, you know, so that kind of crushed, crushed my uh, plan. And I decided just to put it on hold for a little bit, revisit it later. Um, so later came in like 2016 timeframe, you know, I'm on another deployment. Um, this time I'm on a big ship in the middle of, you know, a uh, big body of water in the Middle East. And yeah, I start really thinking about, okay, you know, real estate's always been something that I've been passionate about. Um, and I really need to get back into it. Uh, I think uh, a very pivotal moment for me was, was my 40th birthday. I remember rich dad, poor dad and cash flow quadrant. There, there's parts in there where you're supposed to, you know, make your own little financial goals. And I remember when I read those books, you know, the, the due date for my financial goals was by your 40th birthday. You know, so here I am, you know, all alone, well, not all alone, but uh, you know, no family around me um, on a ship in the middle of nowhere. And it's my 40th birthday. And it just kind of dawned on me that, man, I didn't do any of that stuff. You know, I, I bought two houses and I didn't even come close to my numbers. Um, so I started, you know, refocusing on real estate, on, on purchasing cash flowing assets. So um, started doing everything I could to, to learn about it. Did uh, a lot of reading and studying on different, uh, different strategies. 
you know, so there's Burr, there, there's like the subject to leases, there's multifamily, there's the triple nets. You know, I, I read, you know, a couple of books on like every one of those strategies. And what really ended up appealing to me was multifamily for, for many reasons. You know, number one, I think every, everybody has to live somewhere. You know, I've lived in apartments before and it, it's something that I could easily, you know, wrap my head around and, and figure out. But, uh, you know, it was, it was also something that was extremely stable, you know, through recessions was, um, so profitable. It was, it's something that everybody needs. So feeling a basic human need of shelter. Um, and so I, I put all my eggs into the, the multifamily basket, you know, um, and over the next two years, you know, bought a, bought a bunch of specific books on multifamily, uh, got into a, uh, coaching course through uh, Michael Blanc and just ended up, uh, you know, finding my partners, you know, once again, through the Michael Blanc network, uh, linked up with them. And, you know, so we, we formed a company, Four Oaks Capital, uh, about a year, year and a half ago. And um, since then, you know, we, we've put four, yeah, we've closed on four different apartment buildings or apartment complexes um, with, I think, 168, 168 units. So, that's where we are right now. Um, I still have a little ways to go. I, I retired from the Marine Corps in about a year. So uh, the goal is to basically replace my active duty income and, you know, well on our way, but not quite, not quite there yet. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I mean, first of all, thank you for your service. That's number Thanks. one. And I think that's an incredible journey. And I'm sure it was a lot tougher than, you know, just, I went from here to, you know, a few years later, bought a single family house. I'm sure there's a ton of challenges along the way. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's very typical for people to come on the podcast and just hit the, you know, the, the high points and then talk about the good things. But, you know, um, I say this a lot. It wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. You know, there's, there was a lot of, um, there, there was a lot of, you know, midnight calls, you know, there was a lot of, uh, um, things that were going on at the houses, you know, but, uh, you know, tenant issues. And there was a point in time where we tried to manage, you know, one of the houses by ourselves from, you know, halfway across the world. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, there was challenges, but I, I think, you know, end of the day when we, when we sold those single family homes to get into multifamily, I mean, we, we had six figure paydays on both of them. So end of the day, yeah, that's, it cemented in our mind the idea that yeah, real estate is a good way to, to make, to build your wealth. Uh, it's not the only way there's lots of other ways out there, but you know, it is a, a time proven path to, to build wealth. For sure. For sure. And I think it's incredible too, that you had the inspiration from rich dad, poor dad, and I'm sure a few other books, maybe people as well, but you were able to kind of keep those thoughts and keep those principles in your mind and, um, you know, put those into action, which is awesome too. Yeah. It, only, it took, took 15 years to, to really do it. So, you know, I, I did, I did immediately and I, I got sidetracked. I think that's probably the, the thing that I, that I look back at, you know, a lot of people, you know, ask me, you know, what would you do differently? Um, I, I think one of the answers is I, you know, if I could have not gotten sidetracked on purchasing real estate, you know, I bought a place in 2007, bought a place in 2008, you know, I was deployed almost all of 2009. Um, I tried to buy a place in 2010 and I was deployed for most of 2011. So had, had I come back in 2012 and just started buying and buying and buying, you know, um, it'd, it'd be a different story, but, uh, um, 
anyway, that's, that's that, you know, it's, it's, it's in the past can't be changed, but you know, if, if there was one thing I could go back and change, it would be, you know, getting back to buying real estate in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you tell somebody who has a W2 job? They're extremely busy. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how would you, you know, what, what kind of advice or tips would you, would you give them to say, Hey, turn your head a little bit. There's something, you know, that could be beneficial to you, whether it's real estate investing or just another opportunity that could replace their income, such as real estate investing. Yeah. I, I say you, you have to focus on, on the passive income streams to what it is. I mean, it's just like the rich dad, poor dad, you know, he, he talks from the very beginning that, you know, working W2 jobs, you, you shouldn't work W2 jobs. You know, it's, it's never going to make you rich. It's, it's trading time for money, you know, and here I am after 19 years of, of doing exactly that. But, uh, you know, I think W2 jobs have their place. You know, it's, it's probably the easiest way to start a career, you know, once, once you're, you're, you're out of school or whatever. Um, but, you know, don't lose sight of the bigger picture. You know, don't, don't be missing the forest because of the trees in front of you. Um, you know, the, to be financially free, you've, you've got to build multiple streams of passive income and be able to re- eventually replace that W2 income. And, and like I said, you know, for, for several years, you know, I lost sight of that from, you know, 2010-ish to, um, you know, about 2017, you know, seven years where, you know, very right time to, to purchase because of, of where the real estate market's gone. Um, you know, I, I could have made a fortune during those times, but yeah, keep always, always keep focused on the goal of creating more and more passive income streams. Right, right. So let's kind of fast forward to 2017, 2018 when you were kind of getting serious and you said, all right, multifamily, um, what were kind of the first steps you took because, and, and you're still active duty, so you still have a job. So kind of walk through, you know, what, what was the process like when you said multifamily, I need to get, I need to start getting serious. You know, at first it was, you know, it was podcasts. So one of the books that I read um, so, so go back to that deployment. The deployment was 2016, 2017. You know, I, I read, you know, probably a dozen books on multifamily and, you know, one of the books on multifamily talked about some, some really good podcasts, you know, and, and where I was, I didn't have access to podcasts. So, you know, within a couple of days of, of getting back home from, from deployment, you know, I pull my phone up and I sign up for, you know, I open the back of the book where it has the recommendations. I'm like, okay, Michael blank turns out it's Blanc, but, uh, you know, at the time I'm Michael Blank, you know, Rod Khalif. Okay. Check, you know, Joe Fairless. So I, I look all these guys up on, you know, Apple podcasts and, and, um, you know, I, I had about a 25, 30 minute commute to work. And so podcasts were my daily commute, you know, um, have a motorcycle. I just put my headphones in, stick my phone in the podcast, put my phone in my pocket and, and ride, you know, so, um, to and from work every day, you know, one podcast going, one podcast home. Uh, I'd go to the gym with, with podcasts on, you know, and if I wasn't listening to a podcast, I was listening to an audio book, you know, so uh, a lot, that was, that's where it started was just getting, getting, you know, an idea of, of what was possible. And I think listening to other people's stories really helps, you know, so that was, that was the start of it. And then I started actually looking uh, for, for stuff a little while later. I lived in San Diego at the time. And, you know, I know you're going to talk about limiting beliefs. You're going to ask me about limiting beliefs later, but, uh, you know, one of them was that, uh, you know, I had to try to invest in my backyard, you know, easy to invest in my backyard. And so I'm like, I'm in San Diego, 
you know, a duplex costs, you know, 900,000, you know, a fourplex is like a million and a half, 2 million. Maybe I'll just wait, you know, I'm, I'm in the Marine Corps. I guarantee you in the next year or so, I'm going to, I'm going to be living somewhere else. So I decided to wait until I was living somewhere else, but you know, I kept on listening. You know, I kept on listening to podcasts, uh, reading books when I could. And, uh, you know, towards the end, I started looking for, so I found out I was going to get stationed in Northern Virginia, uh, work at the Pentagon, uh, actually ended up living in Maryland. But, um, you know, when that happened, I started thinking again, well, you know, DC is probably not the best place to look for multifamily. So I started looking for multifamily, you know, back in Utah, where my folks are and in, in Idaho, where my wife's family is, you know, so went, went and toured a bunch of properties and started putting things together. And I started realizing, you know, how much I didn't know about the process, you know, it was just one of those things I'm like, I don't even know how to analyze this thing. You know, I mean, everyone talks about you go, you find a deal, you get under contract, you buy it, and then you make a lot of money, you know? So, um, you know, when I start looking at these deals, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't even know how to figure out if this is a good deal. If this is going to work. You know, I went and talked to a bunch of lenders and lenders like, yeah, we'll give you a 75% loan to value, you know, and, you know, I'm starting to think maybe I should figure out how to, analyze the deals. And, you know, one, one day on the Michael Blanc podcast, you know, he mentions his uh, ultimate guide course, you know, and I'm like, well, there's a start, you know? So um, I signed up for that. You know, it was, it was a couple thousand dollars all online, you know, documents, videos, everything else. Um, but he, he teaches you the process from, from beginning to end. And, you know, so that, that was, that was something that really helped me. So I learned how to analyze the deals. I learned how to look at the rent rolls. I learned how to, you know, take the, the, the profit and loss statement or, or T12 and, you know, crunch the numbers on it, you know, look at the comps, figure out where the rents can go, look at renovation budgets, all of that. And that's, that's kind of the, one of the, the crucial things um, was, was getting that education. And then a couple months after that, I realized, you know what, I think I have a good grasp of all of this, but sure would be nice to have somebody looking over my shoulder every time I did anything. You know, so I reached it back into my back pocket again and, uh, you know, paid for a coaching program once again through Michael Blanc. And I mean, that, that's really, you know, so that, that's the path. It doesn't, doesn't have to be, I mean, everybody's path doesn't have to be the same. I'm not saying that, but that's, that's the path I took, you know, so very generalized education with, with podcasts, you know, then I got some very specific education through the, the online program and a mentor, you know, um, I paid for it all, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the path I went. Awesome. And before you did the coaching program and before you bought the, the first course mm -hmm. and you were looking for multifamily deals, what size multifamily properties were you looking for? Oh yeah. That's the fun thing. You know, um, I, I looked at, uh, you know, how much money we had in the bank and I looked at, uh, you know, we, we, we had sold one of our houses. We hadn't sold both of them and kind of look at how much equity I had. And I'm like, well, I think I can probably afford a $200,000 down payment you know, went to the banks and I'm like, all right, I can get up to an $800,000 multifamily property, you know, so I was looking at, you know, anything, you know, Utah, Idaho, that was about 800,000. My sweet spot was, you know, half a million to 800,000, you know, and that was, um, you know, maybe up to a 12 plex if you, if you bought the right one. But uh, so that, that's what I was looking at prior to. Um, yeah. And then, and then when I, when I got a hold of the, the, the program and, you know, opened my idea to other people's money, 
you know, it, it was something that just, just blossomed from there. I'm like, you know what, I can, I can buy something a lot bigger. It'll be more profitable and I can use other people's money and give all those other people really great returns too, you know? So it sounded like win-win to me. And that's, that's what I ended up uh, trying to do. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So you, you joined the program, you took the course, you joined mm -hmm. the program. What was kind of the, the next turning point to get you another step forward? Uh, partners, you know, finding, finding good partners, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot involved in owning a multifamily asset. And I think it's too much for one person. Um, so I kind of looked at my skill set. you know, like I said, I have a math background. So running numbers was, was one of my strong points, you know, so calling, I could call brokers, you know, I could talk to brokers. I could ask them what they have, you know, I could, I could assert myself and, and, you know, try to get as many deals across my desk as possible. And I could underwrite those deals and, you know, find the right number. But uh, I, I wasn't very confident in my ability to, to raise the capital. So, you know, once again, you know, inside the Michael Blanc program, and this, this is true of a lot of the large, you know, education programs, there's a lot of people, you know, there, there's a lot of people who have the same goals, same objectives. And, you know, I, I started networking, I started talking to these guys, um, you know, started, you know, participating in forums and trying to, to get my name out there, essentially, you know, I, I wanted to attract a partner. And you know, in my mind, I thought, okay, if I want to attract a partner, you know, I have to be a good partner. I have to make, I, so, so I started trying to share everything that I learned and, you know, eventually, you know, I found this guy named Eric Shirley, you know, so through the, through the Michael Blanc program, you know, we started talking and, you know, it wasn't like we, we started talking day one and, you know, day two, we're like, all right, we're making this company. Four Oaks is what it's going to be called. You know, it was, it was a long process, you know, so it was getting to know him a little bit. And then, um, after several weeks, we realized that we were chasing the same deals, talking to the same brokers. And we said, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's partner on deals that are in this geographic area, you know, because, you know, we, we didn't want to compete with each other on everything. And we knew that we would be underwriting the same deals, analyzing the same deals. So we decided to pool resources instead of, um, instead of compete on things. So that ended up working and we, you know, we ended up getting something under contract and, um, and it, it wasn't the first offer we put out. It was probably like the eighth or 10th offer that we put out. And we underwrote a whole bunch of things that we didn't even put offers out on. But uh, we got something under contract and we started looking around and said, you know, what else? You know, what else do we need? And not really what else, who else do we need? And Eric's like, hey, I know this guy named Todd. So um, Eric pretty much brought the group together. And I, I forgot to mention that, you know, Eric and Brian Mallon had already chosen, decided to partner up. So when I partnered with Eric, I inherited um, another partner. So pretty soon, you know, four guys together on a single deal. Uh, after working together for a couple of months on that deal, uh, we decided that we liked each other. We all had the same vision. We were all going in the same direction, same goals, same outlook on life, roughly the same age. And it just made sense. We, we decided to, to partner and form a company and do basically be exclusive to each other on our real estate endeavors. You know, so Brian Briscoe is not going to go out and try to syndicate something for Brian Briscoe again. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of how, how that happened. So, so yeah, the next part was, was obviously, you know, partners, you know, find people to help me get what I needed to get done and then, you know, start building a track record from there. Right. And when you were, when you first partnered up, you kind of found the partner submitting offers. 
What size units were you looking at then? Oh, a variety of sizes. I mean, we, we had this idea of how much capital we could raise, you know, so we, we were looking at deals and, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe we were a little naive, but we, we also thought, okay, we, we have other people in this Michael Blanc program who could potentially help us. So we were looking at deals like up to $6 million, um, you know, two, three, sometimes, you know, three and a half million dollar raises. We thought that we could, you know, between the four of us, bring about two million to the table, and that's that's exactly what we brought to the table on our first deal. Um, but you know, we were we were underwriting things like like I said, up to about six six to eight million, and you know, putting offers in, and we realized that, you know, on on the higher price ones, when we put the offers in, we'd have to go get help. So you know, when we got the first property under contract, you know, it was four million. You know. At, ended up being a $2 million raise, you know, Eric, Brian and I are like, okay, we should probably get a little more help on this one. And that, that's why, that's why we brought Todd Butler in. Uh, I mean, that, that's incredible. If you look at, you know, the idea of going at it yourself versus partnering up with somebody and, and, you know, a JV or any type of fashion, it's just incredible that you were able to, you know, you guys were all able to accelerate and excel by, by, you know, focusing on your strengths and, and using your resources. Yeah. And, and the first one was, was an absolute JV. I mean, um, when we put in our offer letter, I mean, looking back at it, it's kind of funny because, you know, um, I had a company that was called Streamline Capital, you know, Todd's company was Golden Mile and uh, Eric and Brian's company was Third Avenue, you know? So um, if, if you look at some of the early documents that, that, uh, that we did, there, there's three logos on it, you know, and it was, it was a true joint venture, but you know, about halfway through the contracting period, um, we decided let's just let's just form one company. You know, stop this joint venture crap, um, and, and that's what we did. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think when we when we first did everything, when we first uh, came together, I know I wasn't ready to to do anything more than just one deal with those guys because I didn't know them very well. Um, but as I got to know them and realized that our interests aligned, you know, almost perfectly, you know, that's, that's where, you know, all of us kind of individually came to the same conclusion. You know, let's, we got a good thing going on here. Let's, let's make it last. Right. Can you briefly break down the roles that you four play just to give the listeners an idea of, you know, what, what are some types of roles that you need on your team? Um, yeah, so Eric is, is our acquisitions guy. You know, so he's always out there looking for the next deal. So he, he does the bulk of the, you know, dealing with brokers and the underwriters uh, or underwriting, you know. Um, he's also the, the lead of due diligence. Basically, he takes everything up until closing. Um, so he's, he's now, um, on our first deal, I did most of that. So, so I handed the acquisition part over to him. So he's talking to the SEC attorney, he's talking to the insurance guys, he's talking to the lenders, he's talking to all those guys getting up things up through closing. Uh, Todd is doing a lot of our asset management now. It didn't start like that, but he's doing the bulk of the asset management. Um, you know, right now my, my work schedule flared up for a while to where I was, you know, almost dead to the world for, you know, a couple, uh, a month, but, uh, um, you know, so I, I was the previous asset manager and then we kind of, we shifted roles. You know, we, we, we saw that we had to, um, but uh, you know, so Todd's now the asset management guy. 
Uh, Brian does all of our, you know, our, our deal packages. He takes care of the website, the portals, you know, basically all the investor relations, investor communications, everything else. And, and right now, you know, my focus is on the podcast, um, on our social media presence and on our content. So I'm, I'm, I'm the director of content and media relations. Um, so that, that's how we have it broken up now. But, you know, we've, we've shifted responsibilities several times based on, you know, the needs, you know, so we, we see a need in the company, we see kind of a gap or we see that one person's overloaded and, you know, we come together and say, Hey, we need to shift. And we do. And do your other three partners, do they also have full W2 jobs right now or are they full-time in it? When we started, yes. Uh, one of them has quit his full-time job and is working, you know, exclusively for Four Oaks. And, you know, my, my full-time job, I've got about a year, you know, plus or minus 10 days uh, until I can start, you know, until I'm, I'm done with the Marine Corps. Uh, so that's, that's going to be when I go full-time with the job as well. Awesome. Awesome. So can you tell the listeners kind of where's Four Oaks now and where do you kind of see it going in the future? Yeah, so right, right now we, we have, you know, four apartment complexes. Um, you know, most of them are, you know, reasonable sizes, you know, we didn't get like a 500 unit. So our total, total asset count, you know, 168 units. Um, so we have a, a 16 unit, we have a, a 39, a 33 and an 80 unit. you know, and we just got something else under contract. Um, you know, so basically where, where we are right now is we're, we're still a small company that's fairly new. Um, we're trying to get to the point to where we have a, a well-established solid reputation. Uh, eventually we want to be able to get the break into like the $10 million plus space. Uh, our, our unit counts on our future purchases are going to be higher. We're looking into the triple digit number, uh, unit counts. Um, and you know, we, we could have done it earlier, uh, but I, I think we, we like the idea, you know, this, this is something I'm going to steal from, you know, my friend Joe Myers, you know, you got to get some tuna in the boat, you know, before you try to, you know, go after the big whale, you know, so, you know, we, we started small uh, with a smaller unit counts for, for a reason, you know, we wanted to be able to, you know, get, gain some credibility to learn to be able to figure out this asset management thing before we have a $20 million deal in front of us. But yeah, over the next couple of years, I mean, the, the podcast is, you know, one of our, our, our biggest undertakings, um, you know, so Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I, I mean, Bailey, you were one of our first guests, so I know you're aware of it, uh, but that's, that's going to be part of our, our funnel. You know, we hope that through that podcast, you know, people, people, more and more people, you know, know the Four Oaks name, um, you know, so the, the mission, I guess, of the, of the podcast is for everybody to know who Four Oaks Capital is at the end of the day and to put good content out there. And anyway, that's, that's what that's for. Uh, but yeah, we're going to continue to grow our investor base. Uh, we're going to continue to grow our portfolio and we're going to continue to work, you know, as, as hard as we can uh, to make sure that we're, we're giving the returns to the investors that we promised. Awesome. Yeah. And for those of you out there who haven't heard of Diary of an Apartment Investor, definitely go check it out. I think episode six was the one that I'm on. So definitely give that one a listen, but it's an awesome podcast with a really cool uh, format. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, we, we bring on an experienced investor and aspiring investor together on, on every podcast. 
and we I think you were linked up with with Spencer, right? Spencer Hillegas. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's you know ridiculously smart. You know, got a lot of respect for him. But uh, you know, I, I love the idea. Um, wasn't mine. It was Eric's. You know, so I'm not pat, you know patting myself on the back by saying this, but you know, Eric had the idea to bring two guests on every show and have this you know kind of mentorship thing happen uh, on every show. So it, it's a different format, you know, and so far it's been, you know, very successful. For sure. Awesome. And before we move on to the next section of our show, is there any last thing you would tell someone who's, you know, W2 thinking about, you know, or maybe not even thinking about going for something like real estate because they don't even think it's possible. Any last thing you want to leave them with? Yeah. I just got to say, you know, focus on your, your end state and then, you know, do everything you can. You know, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, I, I commute to work, you know, I, I take public transportation, you know, and I, I bought an iPad so I could underwrite deals and, you know, tap out emails and write, you know, content and, you know, scripts and everything else, you know, so basically every, every opening, every white space on my calendar, you know, that I could potentially fill without sacrificing, you know, the family too much, but every white space on the calendar I could fill, you know, I did, you know, and um, so yeah, just, just look for opportunities. Don't look for excuses, look for opportunities, look for time, you know, time that you can dedicate every day, you know, stop playing games, stop, you know, doing, watching TV and just, you know, dedicate all that extra time to uh, help reach your goal. Awesome. So we're now going to move on to the next section of our show, which is the big four, where we ask all of our guests the same four questions. So Brian, number one, what's your number one habit for success? I think my, my best habit for success is I'm able to, you know, take, take a big task, break it and break it down always into what's the next thing, you know, so apartment syndication can be daunting, can be overwhelming, but, you know, all throughout the process, you know, whenever I, I had that feeling of, oh my gosh, this is a whole lot. Am I going to be able to do it? I was all, always able just to, to consolidate things down to, you know, what's the next thing? What's the next two things? You know, what, what, what are some bite-sized things that I can do right now to move my business forward? You know, and I think, you know, in, instead of looking at the whole project and saying, oh my gosh, that's a whole lot, which I had a tendency to do a lot of times, you know, I looked at the whole project said, Oh my gosh, that's a lot. And then backed up and said, but wait, you know, let's boil this down. Let's look at, look at little pieces. And then I just say, okay, what is the very next thing that I could do? And I would think of that very next thing and then I would do it. And then as soon as I was done with that, you know, same, same process. All right. You know, I did that. What is the next thing that I can do now? And it's a great habit. Yep. Always kind of moving the needle forward a little bit. Yeah. Yep. That's it. So number two, limiting beliefs are thoughts in our heads that hold us back from realizing our potential. What is one limiting belief that you were able to crush and how did that impact your life? So one of the first limiting beliefs I had, I mean, when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, he talked about commercial real estate, you know, um, and I looked at that commercial real estate thing and I thought, you know what, that's too complicated for me. I can understand single family houses. I will do single family houses. And it was a limiting belief. It just sounded too complicated. You know, I didn't know how to learn. I didn't know what resources there were, you know, and we already talked about another one, you know, using other people's money was a limiting belief. You know, I thought that I had to go out and get my own street cred, my own proof of concept, you know, before I didn't realize that I could partner up with people that already had experience and borrow their experience, you know, and their credibility. So 
um, that was another big limiting belief. And then another one I mentioned was, you know, you don't have to invest in your own backyard, you know, so you can actually look in other cities and other states uh, for, for good deals. If, if where you live is not a place that's, you know, conducive to investing in real estate, go somewhere else. Definitely, definitely. So number three, what advice would you give to someone who is considering investing actively or passively in real estate for their first time? Uh, I would say make sure that you, you, once again, take a step back and look at your, your objectives. You know, why are you investing in real estate? You know, I, I talked to somebody today and I asked her, okay, so what are your objectives? Like, I want to own 500 doors. Well, why do you want to own 500 doors? You know, so is 500 doors going to accomplish your objective? I mean, it's kind of an arbitrary thing to say, I want 500 doors. But, you know, if you can go back and say, you know, my objective is to replace my active duty income, you know, by the time that I retire, you know, that was my objective, you know. And so I had a very concrete number in mind. And, you know, here's what I make right now. Here's what my, my retirement pension is going to be like. Here's the difference. This is what I have to make up. So, you know, come, in, come at it with some, some very concrete goals of what you want to get out of it. And then design a path to get there. You know, a lot of people who think that they have to do this actively could very easily be a passive investor and get everything they want out of it. You know, so um, yeah, first step is figure out what your own objectives are. And second step is chart a path to, to get there. Awesome. I think that's great advice. And number four, what is your favorite real estate business or personal development related book? You know, I, I've got a lot of them. Um, you know, my, my favorite book ever, which, you know, has nothing to do with real estate, but very much personal developments, the, the Book of Mormon. Um, I think it's, it's a, just a great, great book. Um, but real estate wise, you know, the two that I've most recently read have very similar titles, very similar covers. You know, one's Raising Private Capital and the other one is called Raising Capital for Real Estate. You know, one's by um, Matt Faircloth, one's by Hunter Thompson. Uh, those, those are the ones that I've read in the last, um, last month, month and a half. So I'll stick with those for this one. All right. Awesome. And, and Brian, where can the listeners get a hold of you? The website's uh, fouroakscapital.com. Um, podcast is, you know, Diary of an Apartment Investor. You know, those, those are the best, best places. You know, our, our website, there's a place to fill out a form and, you know, we will contact you. Um, if you just want to listen to me talk every once in a while and talk to other people, you know, Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. Um, or my email address, you know, Brian Briscoe at fouroakscapital.com. All right. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great having you. And I know that you added a ton of value to the listeners. All right. Thanks, Bailey. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast. For more resources or to connect with us further, please visit our website, www.baileykramer.com. We'll see you next time.